All right, and welcome back to the weekly Refold Roundtable podcast, where we talk about what you want us to talk about. So for this week, we're going to be talking about domains. What are they? Uh, what are the benefits of focusing on them? Who invented them? All about domains, a domain deep dive. So today we have Bree and we have Shiki. Hello. I'm excited for this one. I think this is going to be too. a really fun conversation. Yep. I want to know more myself. You want to know more yourself? What do you want to know about domains? Where they came from. <laughs> okay, now that's actually an interesting one. Where domains came from. So uh, domains are not a new concept. In SLA, it's often called narrow input. So if you look at Ed, like Krashen, actually Krashen, all of his stuff is free on his website, sdkrashen.com, I think. You should definitely check it out. Narrow input is not a new concept. It's been around, I think, at least since the 80s. Uh, we chose to call it domains to make them a little bit more accessible. But the idea of focusing on a small slice of input is not new, and it's not unique to Refold. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not new to Refold, but I do think in the in the immersion community, it's something relatively new that has been like re-unearthed, if that makes any sense. Like it's it's been a concept that's existed for a while, but I don't think it's something that is honestly widely talked about outside of Refold. Do you see it talked about a lot of places outside of Refold or no? I'm trying to think. I've never heard the term until I came across Refold. Mm. You know, it's sort of like uh, sometimes there are trends in language learning. For example, yeah. Japanese is the spoken language, which is a very popular textbook series for Japanese in like the 80s, did in fact cover pitch accent. And then it fell to the wayside for like 40 years. And then sort of like Matt uh, Dogen, these sort of popular uh, YouTubers brought it back in fashion. So I think with domains, uh, again, it might just be a trend where like we're rediscovering something, right? Fashion comes in and out. Language learning comes in and out of style. So, Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. And I don't think I really ever gave domains much thought. Like when I first started immersing, when when y'all first started immersing, was were domains something that y'all had on your mind or or no? Uh, not for me. Uh, when I first started, it was just kind of whatever. I was just watching whatever would interest me and not make me get bored and want to quit. And I've only like focused on domains recently, becoming two C. I've chosen slice of life to focus on for two C. Classic choice. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say no. Domains were not originally on my mind. I think I found them organically because I realized, oh, I understand this. Um, it's enjoyable. And I understand other things that are in that same sort of genre. And uh, yeah, I think it was an organic thing for me, but definitely not something before joining Refold that I was acutely aware of. Interesting. Yeah, I think like in the beginning, I was aware that domains existed. Uh, and I think, I can't really remember. I feel like the beginning of my language learning journey with Spanish is such a haze because <laughs> I haven't documented anything, which was a regret we talked about in the last episode. <laughs> but I, I think in the beginning, I didn't do anything with domains because I thought to myself, well, 
the first 1,000 years or the most common vocabulary is going to be used anywhere you, you go, basically. Um, but I do think that I tried to find some things that were somewhat grounded in real life. I think that's true of anything where like the core one or 2,000 words is cross domain. Mm -hmm. But to me, that's not the hard part. The hard part is everything after that. Exactly. It is. So when I first started, I, well, I'm one of those people, I don't know about y'all, but I, I cannot pay attention to something if it doesn't fall into one of my interests. And I have very specific likes and I have very specific interests. And if something's going to be compelling, I have a hard time going, okay, I'm going to focus on slice of life because that is what is useful. I have a really hard time doing that. But what I did do was I tried to find things that were kind of like slice of life adjacent where instead of just like high fantasy or epic fantasy, it was like urban fantasy. So it was based in, you know, it had fantasy elements like dragons and stuff, but it was based in, you know, present time with cell phones and, and, and there would be at least some useful vocabulary. I totally yeah, feel I had you. I that same. Oh, go ahead, Shiki. Uh, like when it comes to stuff to watch, like I can't focus on something unless I have an interest. But at the same time, I am also motivated by efficiency. And Slice of Life is an efficient way to get to stage three, mm -hmm. level five comprehension. So I am motivated by that and I'm willing to do it. Interesting. Yeah, I, I wish I was motivated. But I want to say like I love the idea of efficiency. I, I wish I was motivated by efficiency, but I kind of have to find like shortcuts and stuff. What were you going to say, Gorg? What, 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 were, what were your thoughts? I was going to say, yeah, interestingly enough, I also came to the conclusion that a lot of things that we don't consider slice of life can be slice of life. Um, urban horror that takes place in like a house or a city, you know, mm -hmm. sure, there might be some things that are not in most slice of life shows or series, but the vocab is not that far gone right there's not a whole lot of niche domain specific vocab in urban fantasy modern horror um so i kind of stumbled upon that myself i think yeah i think you're definitely right and i, I like when you hit on the point that things that you you don't think of as being slice of life can actually fall into that um what other things have you found to be just as effective as slice of life? So if you can't focus on slice of life, what are some things that, that y'all like to do to, to listen to? Definitely for me, it's horror. I've, I've found that most horror novels I read are essentially slice of life with either some sort of terror, some sort of dread, maybe a serial killer, maybe a ghost. But in general, I feel like the vocab has always been like what I would expect from day to day life. Just yeah. with an added element of scariness. Yeah. <laughs> I can't... I, 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 usually I can't do horror, but I totally agree with that. Um, there's a, an audio play that I'm listening to right now that is The Sandman, and it's it's like a DC comic um, that is like an audio drama where everything is acted out and it's really awesome. Uh, but it's set in like a real world adjacent where there's there's vocabulary that that makes a lot of sense but there's also like you know mythology and things like that 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 makes it really interesting another thing that i really like that is slice of life adjacent is our travel channels um so it's not necessarily slice of life but it's people interacting with other people and i think a lot of the time 
um, not me, <laughs> I'm not really a traveler, but a lot of people are motivated by travel for language learning, right? And I think that watching travel channels is a great way to to get some vocabulary that that would be travel relevant, you know? You know, I'm not actually sold on travel vlogs as good immersion content. I feel like fight. Let's fight. They're not super <laughs> language dense and which ones I'm are you not watching? sure how much actual like useful vocab there is in a what? in a travel log. What? What? Yeah. I have what? always felt that way. I, I have always okay. felt that way. I disagree. Well, okay, let me think. I'm trying to think. A lot of the ones that I watch, there's a lot of talking. And they're talking about what they're doing. And I think in the beginning for me, when I had like no grasp of, of what was going on in Spanish and nothing was comprehensible, um, aside from like, you know, kids shows or graded readers and things like that, I really gravitated to travel channels because they would be walking through, they would be saying greetings to people, and they would be talking about what they're doing, which I thought was interesting because even though I couldn't necessarily understand what they were saying, I was able to understand what was happening. Like they're traveling, they're talking about this thing that they're holding, they're eating something, they're looking at something, they're talking about something. So I think that for me personally, travel channels really, um, they, they were what I predominantly listened to in the beginning. I do think what you said is valid, that travel channels, travel vlogs are great for comprehensible input because it's like they're walking through some market or something Thank and describing <laughs> what they're doing. And I think it, it definitely sounds like it'd be super useful in the beginning stages like that. Yeah, it was. that's really a lot of fun. I guess maybe just because it's one of my interests where I don't like to travel, but I love to vicariously live through other people. Like travel vlogs specifically. Okay, don't listen i'm a huge nerd okay but i think we all are here who are listening live and who will be listening to the recording huge nerds <laughs> and a lot of the travel vlogs that i watched were like spanish people that spoke spanish living and or traveling in japan <laughs> so, there are j vloggers in spanish i love That's essentially it. What it is. yeah they're so you know, good Yo sam and the the people who live in japan their whole spiel is they live in japan I don't want to live They're in Japan. They're vloggers in Spanish. I want to watch people. That That's my domain. I want to watch people living in Japan. I don't want to do it myself. I want to watch other people doing it in Spanish. Or English, but, you know. Believe it or not, for some reason, I actually have in my Spanish YouTube recommendations uh, a channel called Mexicanos in, in Tokyo, I think, is the name can of the channel. Can you send that to me in my and DMs? Because that, that sounds I can really send it to you for sure. Uh I don't actually enjoy that content, though, so I don't know why they keep popping up in my recommendations. Oh, really? YouTube is really trying to send you a message. Watch more J-Vloggers. Yeah, watch more J-Vloggers. Get, get on the J-Vlog train. <laughs> oh, man. So it sounds like maybe in your case, Bree, mm -hmm. what your domains are in your target language are similar to what you would read or listen to in English. Yes, 100%. How about you, Vanessa? Is that similar? Uh, yes and no, because the things that I would be interested in are like horror and true crime, where it's like the YouTubers who basically talk about this case and it's just somebody talking to a camera and it's not very comprehensible. So that's like something I want to conquer when I'm better. 
is like true crime stuff in Japanese. If I can find it in the first place, it's kind of hard to find. I'm sure you will be able to find it. I love true crime in Spanish. I loved I love true crime too. We can talk offline about our love of true crime. Um, but a lot of what I listened to aside from um travel is I kind of graduated from travel to true crime. It's kind of funny that that you mentioned that because that's kind of my progression is it took a while because true crime there's not a lot of like visual stuff usually because it's so gnarly and it's usually talking about past events and things like that um it is a lot of fun to listen to i I don't know if it's really useful domain though true crime (laughs) yeah my my like for slice of life stuff is in japanese is fueled by efficiency (laughs) yeah and then i have to like go from there yeah so in my case i definitely do not consume nearly as much romance in english as i do in my target languages uh and i think it's a little bit of Romance is one of those sort of everyday normal language, slice of life, slice of life adjacent sort of domains. Um, and for me, I'm very much team comprehension equals enjoyability. So I don't think I've ever read a romance book in English, but I've read so many in Filipino. I've read a lot in Spanish. Uh, and I started one in Dutch yesterday on a whim, and I got like 4,000 words into it. I was like, yeah, this is a definitely a solid domain for me but i would never read it in english it's such a useful domain though like it's incredibly useful it's very slice of life it's compelling i think people under they underrate it i think yeah i i wish i liked romance i just can't get into it i try i just can't but i would love what's nice about romance is that you learn how to talk about things like your feelings interpersonal relationships If you're a single person that is learning a language, it's good for learning how to talk to other people, maybe, (laughs) that you meet. Um, I think it's a really useful domain to to focus in, honestly. I did watch one romance, but you don't like it. The the Sylvanas and Lana. Um, Is that a romance? To me, that was more of like a sitcom. It's so, okay, well, to me, it was all of it is is romance it's like this person likes this person there's romantic drama this person wants to get with this person and there's drama there's all these people trying to sabotage each other's relationships and love triangles and things like that um i liked it because of the family aspect maybe uh because on top of the of of the romance there was a lot of familial relationships there was school vocab a lot of the vocab was super useful super useful i couldn't get into it it lacked okay. to me what i enjoy about spanish media it was a, a telenovela that tried to be a sitcom but also wasn't at the same time and it just wasn't for me it's okay you're you're that is valid and you don't have to i loved it personally and what's funny is it's not that wasn't like my usual uh type of show that I liked. There was just something about it that I that I latched onto. Maybe like the ridiculousness of the characters and the heartwarming family moments. I was a sucker for those. And the music was a real bop. <laughs> We're getting kind of off track though. <laughs> but yeah, yeah let's not go down a tangent show. about yeah. Solanas and Lana. I could talk about it for, for, for weeks, but yeah, no no more Sylvanas and Lana tangent. <laughs> so I know that with that 
Vanessa touched on this. She's focusing on slice of life, not because she likes it, but because of mm -hmm. the efficiency. So how does like your domain affect your goal or your goal affect your domain? Like if I were like wanting to output, I would focus on slice of life. But, you know, I can totally see like I'm not living in a country. I don't know any speakers. I just want to focus on content I enjoy. So what's your take on that, Bree? I... I does your domain affect your goal or does your goal affect your domain? Okay, so I'm going to give like the do as I say, not as I do answer. So I think that your goals should affect what domains you are listening to. So like you said, if you want to speak faster and if you want to progress to like on the refold ro roadmap, if you want to get to stage three and stage four faster then you know, definitely focus on predominantly slice of life adjacent things things that are based at the very least in the real world like crime drama or horror based in the real world or slice of life romance comedies high school stuff whatever um i think that would be most useful uh but for me personally <laughs> i have to you know i have I talk about this all the time. I have ADHD. It's something that, you know, I don't mind, but I have to follow my interests or else I just literally cannot pay attention. So for me, I just go for what do I like? And is there something in that like spectrum of things that I like that has useful vocabulary? Okay, try to go for that. So if I read fantasy, try to read urban fantasy, you know, make those compromises but I don't do it all the time. You know, I just read a, what, 2000 page book that had nothing to do with anything in the modern world, but it was highly compelling and I went with it and it was fine. But yeah, I think you should definitely go for things that are, um, slice of life. If your goal is speaking. I do want to say that, um, in the beginning, I did not enjoy slice of life at all. Because when your comprehension is low, it's like nothing is happening and it's difficult to enjoy. But now that I have like level four comprehension of most things, uh, slice of life is a lot easier to enjoy. And I have learned to like it because my How? comprehension is higher. <laughs> How did you, that's a really good, you, you brought up a good point. So, so you, you, you taught yourself how to like it. Teach me how, what did you do? <laughs> to make yourself like it more? Was there like an active process of trying to do it? Or was it just that you watched it so much that you got used to it and you found it endearing? Like what, did you have a strategy to make the content more enjoyable and more comprehensible? I think it's just a natural consequence of your comprehension being higher, mm -hmm. but also you do have to find a series that is good by whatever standards you have that would mean good. And you have to get invested into the characters. I think that's a major part of it because a major part of the plot of Slice of Life is the conversations between people and their interactions and what's going on in their life, basically. You know, I do like Slice of Life when it comes to anime. So it's not that I don't like Slice of Life. I think it's more difficult for me to find Slice of Life that I like in my target language or, or, or things like that. Because, like, Gorg likes, um, <laughs> like, romance and whatnot. And a lot of Spanish media is really heavily dominated by, you know, the, the romance genre. 
And it might be a degree of Stockholm syndrome. I definitely did not read romance <laughs> yes. before like going hard on Filipino, which has a market dominated by cheesy love stories. And I think after you read half a dozen novels or watch half a dozen uh, teleserie, you end up really like liking it. It's sort of like when a song that you don't like the first time it comes on the radio comes on. And then after hearing it the 30th time that week, you're like, hey, this is actually a bop. So yes. I don't know. Stockholm syndrome for uh, domains. Okay, maybe I just need to do that. Like lock myself in a room with telenovelas and just like keep my eyes open with toothpicks and force myself to watch them 24 hours on end and see They're if at the, really at, the, good. at the end. I enjoy them. I enjoy I them. Stressed. They always I, have I like really gorgeous people like with this sort of like rich to see or they're I don't watch the gritty ones like I don't want to watch some girls descent into like prostitution and drugs or yeah, something. Yeah. I avoid those. I but like the that. escapism fantasy like I'm a maid but then like I made the uh, the boss of the ranch fall in love with me and you know I like that sort that. of stuff is like nice little bit of escapism. Yeah. I don't know. I'll try it. Send me some of your favorites and, and I'll see what I can do. Well, they're they're going to be in Japanese <laughs> for me. Oh, that's true. Well, you know, for for a lot of animes and I can find in Spanish because mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh, the, the Spanish dubs, like as a side note, are popping. Spanish, specifically, not from Spain, unfortunately. Sorry for anybody learning Spain Spanish that really enjoys Spain anime dubs, um, but no Latin example. American dubs are incredible they are so good they're better than english dubs um and i've actually seen some youtubers on like spanish anime tube because that's where i live because i'm a big nerd <laughs> um actually have made arguments that some of the spanish dubs i think are better than the original don't fight me on this i'm a lover not a fighter i don't want to fight on this people have those spicy hot takes about their favorite dubs i had someone they from do. the refold community tell me they're like hey avatar is best in hebrew and i'm like oh. uh i had that someone very last specific. week tell me wow. about yeah avatar is best in hebrew i had someone say that some of the ghibli movies are better in cantonese than japanese so okay. i mean it's a hot take but it seems like they're fairly common hot takes okay Okay. Okay. I'm gonna learn Hebrew just to watch Avatar. I love that series. So if it's better than maybe that could be a future topic about dubs. Oh yeah, someone oh. someone suggests that. Speaking someone of should. topics, I do have a question I've been wanting to ask. Oh. Do we consider learner content like comprehensible input channels, um, dreaming Spanish? Are they? Is that its own domain? Can learner Ooh. content be its own domain like graded readers ollie richards i think it can be i came to that conclusion when i was trying to categorize channels i was like i can't categorize this beyond learner content mm, yeah i agree with that it can be its own thing i think that's a really good question i don't know because it's, it's like a lot of they're it, really good they are like, they're you can enjoy them even if you're advanced, I feel like. Like Espanol, I thought Hola Lola was hilarious. That's by the guys right? whose channel is Espanol con, con Juan. And he is hilarious. He I find him really annoying. Concept. He repeats himself him. too much. I know, but when you're a beginner, you need that. Like, if you have no idea what's going on, that repetitiveness, is that a word? I don't know. We're going with it, though. 
Um, but the way that he talks and the scenarios that he comes up with are just so ridiculous and so funny. Um, but the, I would say that they're, the content is real life, right? So they're talking about things that you would use in daily life. But as its own genre, I don't know. I would love to see people in the comments tell us what they think about that. Like, do you think that beginner content in the comments, let us know. Do you think that beginner content is its own domain? And what do you think that it is if it's not? That's a really good question. I have no idea. Yeah, some are just legitimately funny. Oh, that will always have a special place in my heart. It's because so good. the idea of a chubby British expat <laughs> moving to Spain, trying to date, you know, like, it just, it was really good because that's actually a thing that happens in Spanish culture. Like, the there really good are too. hordes of British expat men trying to date and live in Spain. And I felt like it was culturally appropriate. Like, it touched on some real life stuff and uh, it was easy to read. And yeah, I, I feel like learner-oriented content can be its own domain. Yeah. And I don't think that it's something that you necessarily need to avoid. I think there are some people who might be purists. I'm not using that in, in a bad way, but immersion purists that, that wouldn't necessarily recommend listening to any content made for beginners. Um, but I will say in the beginning for me, because I did listen to Espanol con Juan and dreaming spanish a lot in the beginning and i found those channels incredibly helpful uh, because even though they were speaking slowly and extraordinarily clearly and enunciating everything it was still real spanish they were using it in ways that spanish people would use spanish you know um, native construction simplified absolutely but still native construction and it was highly comprehensible and it was a, it's a great way to kind of plant the seed of understanding. Um, I do think that there is a danger, though, on relying on that too much in the beginning in that you, you, you get, it's kind of like a crutch, you know? But I think if you use it like a tool alongside, you know, actual content and things like that, I think it's, it's a really good thing to, to listen to, even if it's not its own domain, whatever it is. I do think that beginner content definitely has a place. Especially do, in the very, very beginning. I do think there is a difference between strictly comprehensible input and beginner content. Like mm -hmm. something like the famous um, Stephen Krashen demonstration would be strictly comprehensible input. And then something like a cartoon for kids would be like beginner content or something that's like simplified like certain channels that only use certain vocabulary and the conversations are simplified. It's like two different things. You know, it's really interesting to me being sort of this terminal permanent beginner that like in Chinese beginner content is often based on numbers, uh, like the number of unique characters used, you know, the unique Chinese characters. Whereas in like Spanish beginner content is like, do we use this verb tense? Do we, use these sort of like advanced compound constructions or not. And it's interesting to me how they vary depending on the language. Um, and I guess it's to be expected, but it's not something you would think about unless you've actually like read graded readers in Chinese and also in uh, in Spanish, like hola lola is totally in the present tense, right? So you don't have to yeah. learn any of the other conjugations. Yes. Um, and the Chinese graded readers are the same. They've got some that are like, 150 characters only 
What I really enjoyed about Ola Lola too is that it it wasn't like I think a lot of when a lot of people think of beginner content, they kind of think of like kids beginner content where it's a lot of stuff about colors. They and think numbers. it's gonna be fairy tales. Yeah. Not or, only that, but just yeah. like colors, things that I don't really care about numbers in the beginning. Like this might be a spicy take, but I think that knowing like colors and numbers is, is pretty much useless <laughs> in the very beginning. I wanna know more stuff that will make things more interesting. And knowing I how agree. to count and knowing what food names are, oh my gosh. No way. That's not interesting. What I think it's important to find things if you are gonna go the the comp the the content made for for beginners for learners route is to find things that actually has useful stuff in it that will give you um repetition of the most common words so for example if you're going through one of the refold 1k decks find something that will that will give you those words in context you know um and i think if you use it as a tool as as reinforcement for that vocabulary to make the rest of your immersion journey that much more enjoyable I think it's a good way to like jumpstart it, but I don't think that it's, it, it, it should be like a long journey, you know? I think that it can be quite difficult for things like numbers to come up organically though. I think there's a place for like being taught them sure. explicitly somehow. For example, if I recall, you used to have issues um, with, I still do some of the Spanish numbers. The, I still do. The, I don't, it doesn't get in the way. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I've forgotten the difference between cardinal and ordinal. I think it's the ordinal numbers that you were struggling with, like 12th, 13th. You know what? My Spanish teacher, Spanish, right? my italki teacher from Mexico doesn't even know all the ordinal numbers. She told me that like it hardly ever comes up. They hardly ever use it, apparently. So I don't feel so bad about that. But yeah, it, the ordinal numbers, things like that. But, you know, I think you should investigate those things when you care about it. So if you if you get to a point and you're like, oh man, I don't know my numbers. I should I should I should look into that, you know. If you're interested in it suddenly, follow that interest. But in the beginning, like forcing yourself to learn numbers and colors and fruit and food names. I don't know. For me, some people might really like that stuff. But for me, I wanted to get into stories like Ola Lola for me would have been really great. I didn't discover that till later. But the story is really compelling. It's funny. It's interesting. And it doesn't try to like teach you what most people think you need to know in the beginning. And I think that's the trap of a lot of um, beginner content. Also, if you're super deep in believing the whole input hypothesis you can't mm -hmm. really choose what you learn anyways it's just what your brain decides to take in that's right you just gotta let it flow over you and whatever <laughs> whatever sticks sticks yep and what's gonna stick is what you find like you said compelling so compelling domain <laughs> i don't know so numbers are tricky like some languages use multiple sets of numbers or they treat ordinals very differently from the cardinal numbers like um in Filipino, there are three sets of numbers used: English, Spanish, three? and the native numbers. Yeah, and they're used for different things. Um, oh my gosh! So, like you can say "dose isa," so "dose" is obviously Spanish, means twelve, and then "isa" would be one. So what you're I'm literally saying is twelve one, and that's something like it costs twelve pesos for one of the items. So, oh. <clears throat> and Japanese does this too. They've got their own native numeral system, and then the Chinese numbers they borrowed. So numbers can be tricky. I think some things are just really hard to get 
from immersion alone. That's my hot take. Wow, that's a spicy take, Gorg. Spicy take. <laughs> no, I'd I agree. also agree. I'd agree. But the cool thing is, this is stuff that you're going to use, right? You, a lot, most of what you need, you're going to find in immersion. But filling in the gaps with numbers is not really a hard thing to do. It's just you take a day, you learn your numbers. It's pretty straightforward, you know. But, I mean, depending on what language you're learning, unless there's like 17 number systems. How many number systems are in, are in Japanese? Cheeky. Mm, if you're just like counting like one, two, three, four, five, it's kind of easy. Right. Because, but with Japanese, like, you've got like mika or whatever. For oh, yeah. Days, you have all right? the counter words. Oh, my God. That's a different topic. Counter but, words in Japanese. But, but like mitsu is not related to san, right? Like it's a totally mm -hmm. different word for the number three. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely think some things are just hard to learn from immersion. It's worth sitting down and just kind of like grind them out in your SRS of choice. Yeah. I think I think numbers are probably something you can grind. I don't know. I'm not an expert on number learning, obviously. Do you think there's yeah. such a thing as a bad domain? Mm, probably the ones that I like the most would be considered bad domains, like science fiction. <laughs> I think my domains are bad, and I'm not ashamed to admit it, but sci-fi, probably not useful in the slightest. Um maybe poetry wouldn't be useful either because nobody talks like that in real life. Like imagine if your domain was just, I just like reading poetry. That's like all I do. Well, that's kind of like music, right? Yeah. Like if all you did was listen to music lyrics. Yeah. And you just repeated song lyrics like that would be, that wouldn't be useful. I don't think there's a bad domain necessarily. It's about timing and when you choose to go into the different domains. You can have That's bad timing, but not a bad domain, I think. So bad someone timing, in the, the live audience said that classic literature might be a bad domain. And I'm actually tempted to agree. I think that classic literature is not a great domain uh, to start out with. Or at any right. point, really. I, I consider myself pretty okay in Filipino. But when I read stuff from like the 1600s, uh, it's sort of like pulling teeth. You know, there's just a whole bunch of old yeah. vocab. Uh, old inflections that are not used uh, and it's not useful it's not going to come up yeah remember that that show i'm going to butcher it it's in japanese kotaru lives alone i don't know what it is in japanese but the little boy all he watches he's like a is samurai like, he all he watches is like old-timey samurai show and so he talks like a samurai because that's all he watches and everyone's like he talks it's, and how, how did they so handle mean. that, by the way, in Spanish? Because, like, in Japanese, they just I think it was like just like a lot of like usted. It was just very formal, like usted, you know. Yeah, I um, watched. I watched it in Japanese, and he was definitely like Ohio de Aru, and uh, quite literally trying to sound like a samurai. I'm curious how they translated that to other languages, localized yeah. it, if you would. I'm trying to like imagine if someone like only learned English by reading Shakespeare or reading Jane Austen and, and, and things like that. That would be hilarious. That would sound, I mean, honestly, I would think they probably would sound pretty smart. I, I would be very impressed. Um, but also part of me would be like, 
what century are you from? Like, what is going on here? Um, Because you're not going to learn, like, like (laughs) reading classic literature. It's great because if you want to talk about things that are culturally relevant, a lot of cultural things are built upon, you know, like the classics and things like that. But as far as how people talk, it's definitely not useful for conversation unless you want to sound like an old-timey person. And that's fine if that's your thing. If you want to sound old-timey, that's great. But, yeah, I think <laughs> I think that's probably right. Classic literature probably is not the best. Yeah, well, I'm not into classic literature. I am definitely into web novels and light novels and pulp fiction. There you go. You're getting all the best vocab. You're getting all the, yeah. all the slang I'm surprised there. at how easy some of the... Um, translated spanish light novels are i've got one that i'm working through um on link and it link tells me it's got about five thousand unique words and the the whole light novel i'm like wow that's about the level of speech so um yeah i really like the pulp fiction the light novels the web novels but it might just be because it's easy we're kind of going back to like Ease of comprehension is directly related to how much I enjoy it. Other people may be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just tend to find things that I like that are comprehensible, but it's in, in, in the genres that I like. But I am trying to branch out into more useful stuff. So we talked a lot about slice of life, how that is a very functional domain, how romance is very functional domain. Travel is hotly contested. Korg is anti-travel, while Shiki and I are on team travel. Shiki, are we on team travel together? Yes, we are on team <laughs> <Okay>. travel. <laughs> team travel. We are on team travel. Um, there's another genre, and I don't even know if this could be considered a genre, but like the um, the self-betterment stuff out there. Um, self-help. like Not self-help uh, necessarily. I know but what you're talking about. Things like Atomic Habits. Atomic uh, Habits, yes. Business yeah, okay. books, things like that, that, you know, help you actually be a better person. <laughs> so do y'all think that those, first of all, are those things that you're interested in reading slash listening to? And second of all, how useful do you think that stuff is Aside from it being useful because it helps you to learn how to focus better or do more, but do you think that the vocabulary itself is useful? Oh, interestingly, I actually earlier this week put three of those self-development books, as as we're calling them, on Mm -hmm. my reading list. Uh, So I'm not sure yet. I worked through part of uh, Atomic Habits a few months ago for like book club. But in general, I don't seek out that type of literature and I don't read it. So I actually I, can't talk much about it other than I will know in a few weeks after yeah, I actually I don't start either. to read the books that I have. Yeah, I don't either. But I, part of me thinks that it would be good if you want to like have like a deeper conversation with a native level speaker in your target language. Um, you know, aside from the surface stuff, if you want to talk about stuff that's really important to you. I think that branching out into stuff like that will give you really good vocabulary to talk about things, you know, beyond a surface level. Yeah, I think this kind of comes back to what I was saying about it's about timing. I feel like that kind of domain or genre would be useful for somebody like you're saying who is a high level learner already and they're trying to expand and have deeper 
conversations, but I think it wouldn't be so great for a beginner because I, my feeling is that that kind of domain uses a lot of like esoteric language, if that's the right term, like kind of intangible stuff, if that makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. So what do you think would be the ideal? So if we were to like boil it down and say, okay, you're like Shiki, you are highly motivated by efficiency, right? What domains, what order of domains do you think would be like the best order? And we don't have like, by the way, for people listening, we're, we're not like the authority on this, but it's, it's a good, it's an interesting question. What, what do y'all think is the most efficient domain progression, if you will? So do you want to go first? This one. Yeah, I definitely think beginner, well, not beginner content, learner oriented content, like graded readers, comprehensible input. I think that they do very well. And the studies I've seen back this up, that people who do graded content tend to outperform their peers. But again, their peers are not like immersing, right? So again, it's not the best analog for like refold and refolding. But I would definitely start with graded content, um, learner directed content, and then work my way up through slice of life and slice of life adjacent sort of domains. Um, I wouldn't jump right into something super difficult, but difficult is subjective. Like being a chronic dabbler, something like in Dutch, very simple things jump out at you. The cat sat on the mat. The cat zat op de mat. Sorry about the pronunciation, but it's the same. Whereas Spanish, that would be totally incomprehensible if you had never studied Spanish before. So like when I first started refolding Spanish, like last year, I was able to read a technical book that used a lot of the shared Latinate vocabulary while I was still not able to read a novel. Um, and you might find that what language you're learning and where the domains are shared between the languages depends sort of like where you want to start. You know, um, I think that somebody with a decent education who knows a lot of Latin Greco-Roman words could jump into a technical thing in Spanish or French a lot sooner than they could a novel. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, to add on to that, I think that, you know, once you get to that point where you're more comfortable with, you know, just basic life stuff, probably choosing the domains centered around things that you personally like to talk about with your with your friends. So if you're someone who's really into, I don't know, uh, anime, just as an example, find people who talk about that specifically. Or if you're someone who's really political, um, find channels that talk about things that you like about that. Or um, if you're really into sports, some people really love talking about sports. I'm not one of them. You know, sports ball, yeah. But if you're sports into sports, <laughs> sports ball, um, find sports podcasts or, or things of that nature. I think that finding or if you know, cooking, you know, like there's so many things out there. I would say narrow in on, first of all, what do you most likely to use? Which like you said, like slice of life stuff, interpersonal relationships. That's, that's really good. But then once you get from that, I think that probably the most efficient way to go through it would be to gravitate on the things that you like to talk about. I think it's really going to depend on the person. Like whenever exactly. someone is new, um, I feel like 
every language learning newbie is going to fall into one of two categories. They're either motivated by understanding, so they would want to go into um, the comprehensible input, uh, the content for kids, the content for learners, things like that. And then you have the second group of people who are motivated by just keeping their interest. Like, they don't care how hard something is, but they just want to have an interest in it, and that's going to keep them immersing. So I think you have to kind of consider the type of person you're talking about, because, like, for me, personally, I'm the type of person who tried the whole graded content, beginner content, learner content thing, and I was like, wow, this is boring. <laughs> I'm going to go watch anime. <laughs> <laughs> so you really have to consider the type of person. I think that your story is not unique in that. I think a lot of people nope out of graded content, especially if all you can find is stuff that's really dry and really boring. So when you first started watching anime, um, let's say that, you know, there are people like you that, you know, they're, they're, they want to do stuff that's more comprehensible, but they're having a hard time with it. What are some strategies that you did when you were watching, you know, your slice of life content in the beginning to make it more comprehensible when maybe it was more advanced? Than well, that's your the thing. Level? Uh, even in the beginning, even the slice of life content made me nope out. And um, I went and watched an anime that was super nostalgic for me as a tween and a teenager. So I already knew the the plot like front to back. So it was super easy to just start watching that. And the anime, by the way, is called Yu Yu Hakusho for any fans out there. Um, What's the English <laughs> name for it? I enjoyed it. That, no, that's uh, the English name. <laughs> uh, you it? could call it like um, Spirit Detective, detective or yeah, yeah. Or Ghost Detective or something like that. Uh, that sounds yeah. like something I'd like. <laughs> yeah. Basically, the main character dies in the first episode. <laughs> I didn't watch anime growing up. What? I discovered that. Yeah, I know. That's a, that's a whole nother podcast. That's like a whole <laughs> conversation. <laughs> yeah, so Yu Yu Hakusho just basically carried me from stage one to stage two A, basically. You know, I kind of did the same thing in Spanish where um, in the beginning I watched like the very, 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 very beginning. I watched Pokemon because it had matching um, subs and dubs in Spanish on Netflix and it was really easy to follow along and look up words I already knew what was going on because I watched it growing up as a kid and it was really highly enjoyable even though you know a lot of the vocabulary has nothing to do with anything in real life um, it, learning the basics you know planting that like seed of comprehension um, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head of finding something that you're familiar with and that you like. Um, so then when did you make the jump from content that you were familiar with to slice of life? Because it sounds like you had to force yourself, right? So you had a you made a conscious decision to to do slice of life. What was your progression into that? And how did you make that enjoyable? Yeah, so I was just kind of sticking with what would work. Like the same kind of mindset, like, I like Yu Hakusho, so I'm going to rewatch that. So it was just, like, stuff that I knew I enjoyed from the past, or stuff that I could make a reasonable pr prediction that I would enjoy, but it was, like, new content. 
to me. So in, you know, throughout stage one, 2A, 2B, I just watch stuff that I already knew that I would enjoy or that I could predict that I would enjoy based on my interests. And then getting to stage 2C is when I made the decision to focus on slice of life because that's what the roadmap suggests is picking something that you will focus on for 2C to get to level five comprehension and get mm. to outputting. Nice. And so it was this is probably easy. not a problem that a lot of people will will run into, especially people like learning Spanish or Japanese or any of the European languages. They actually have a lot of translated content that we would be familiar with. But like for some people, like they might be learning, I don't know, Thai or Filipino. There's not a lot of content that is in both languages. You don't have that ability to like jump in and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to reread my favorite novel in this language because they just don't have it. So I feel like that's a little bit of a privilege for people learning uh, these bigger, sort of richer languages. Uh, I would, with the money I would agree the, with that. The literary culture behind them. So what what would you recommend? Because you're you've you've learned Filipino. What would you recommend for people that are learning a language like that to oh, to do? I'm going to sound like a broken record. I think that amateur fiction is really easy to get into. I would start there, uh, and I'm a big fan of chat fiction where it's sort of like fiction told through the perspective of like a group chat and like whatsapp i feel like it's at the same level you would expect tv to be at um and i feel like because it's amateur it tends not to be so great in terms of like breadth and depth of of vocabulary maybe okay that makes a lot of sense i think you've brought up chat fiction before and i think that's an yeah. excellent thing to to focus on because especially if you want to like have a conversation with somebody, you know, in, in your target language, most people start off doing that, not with voice, but via text. So learning like those, like text speak or whatever, I think is great. That's, that's awesome. And it's, and it's more simple too. It's easier to look up. Um, I'm guessing, I've never read it, but I'm guessing that the, um, like the snippets are shorter. Like, would you say that like each like bubble of dialogue is 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 shorter than reading like a paragraph of text or, or do they tend to be pretty verbose i don't feel like they're very verbose um overall the stories are a little bit longer than a short story but they tend to not be like fully fleshed out novels but as far as like the paragraphs i feel like it's like what you would expect on a discord chat yeah okay yeah that sounds awesome kind of like reading yeah, like and... a like a like a webtoon but without the visuals. You know, we actually did not touch on webtoons and comics as sort of like a domain within I a love domain. Webtoons and comics. Right. Like They're so good. you can have slice of life comics, which is the best of both worlds. Yeah. Um but yeah, do you think that comics are a medium or are they a domain? I would say that they are a medium and not a domain. I agree with that because you can have so many different domains within comics like you can but have I, the regular superhero comic or you can have like a gritty urban fantasy thriller type thing but i would say like as far as like the we were talking about like where you should like the ideal um path right of of um choosing your domains i think that web comics and and manga and things like that are amazing for people who haven't gotten their feet wet 
reading yet because the language is simpler. It's more like chatting, not chatting, but it's conversational where people are talking and there's not a lot of descriptive vocabulary. Um, the description is is covered by the by the images themselves. So you're getting a huge amount of context on every single page um, from the visuals alone. Um, and I think that it makes it a lot easier to read, but I don't think it's its own domain. I, th I think it's a medium, like you said. I know I say manga. I listen, I grew up saying like that. <laughs> don't at me in the comments. I know I say it weird. I don't feel like manga is any closer to how actually it, it sounds in Japanese, but that's like the whole Anki versus Anki debate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone's like everyone believers. Believers. No, don't bully me. Oh, whatever. Bully me in the comments. Whatever. <laughs> I can take it. I'll cry a little bit, but it's fine. <laughs> just a little. I think I say manga, actually. You so. say manga? Maybe it's a South thing. Like, that's just what I grew up calling it in school. And that's what I grew up hearing it as. I know this is a side conversation, but I'm just defending my honor. <laughs> dishonor. No, don't dishonor me. How do you say it? Uh, which one? I'm I'm scared to say it. <laughs> how do you say manga? Manga. Among us. That's what okay. And how about how about how about anime? How do you say anime? anime. Oh well, anime because it's like an English word at this point. Gotcha. Interesting. All right. That was so a really spicy. We take are. It was a spicy take. <laughs> Guys, we are coming to the end of the uh, Refold Roundtable podcast. Thank you all for coming to the live recording of the podcast. It will be out on YouTube and Spotify in the next few days. So keep your eyes peeled and drop a like to help the algorithm. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the Refold podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and maybe even learned something new. Projects, events, and content like this podcast are only possible thanks to our generous patrons. If you liked this and want to see more similar projects, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Visit community.refold.la slash Patreon-benefits to learn more.